hey, this morning we're going to jump into a very cool message because every year at Christmas time at TWBC, we put up Christmas trees, but we don't just put them up. We put them up with a reason and for a purpose because every year we have a, a focused giving that we do, and we love to pack out this big Christmas tree with gifts and items all around it that we get to give to either a hospital or different places. This morning we're going to reveal to you what we're going to give to this year here in just a couple minutes. And so as we begin this morning's message, open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8. And the title of this morning's message, I need you to fill in the blank on the end of this. You all know the phrase. The title of this morning's message is this, ready, aim, fire. All right, come on, one more time. Do better than that. Ready, aim, fire. That is the title of this morning's message. We're, we're, we've been ready. We've been preparing over the past couple days. We've been aiming. We've been focusing on something. Now we're ready for God to bring the fire. Amen of what he's going to do. I want to introduce to you somebody who's very special to me, a great friend in my life. He's actually my twin. He's got the same name. His name is Joel. I call him Dub. Dub Williams, come on up this morning. <laughs> Celebrate with us. First met Dub when we did CrossFit together here several years back and had a great time. Then they went off to Oklahoma to the mission field but came back to the promised land and found Sulphur Springs, Texas. Glad he's here. Dub, Dub works for the Child Protective Services here in Sulphur Springs. And I want him to tell you about some of the things going on with the Child Protective Services organization here in Sulphur Springs. Because this is what we're going to give to this Christmas. We're going to pack out their resource room with everything they need for 2017 in one month. Come on now. And we're going to make... Make sure our kids right here in Sulphur Springs get taken care of. Now, I know we support missions organizations that stop sex trafficking and all those things all around the world. And I love them kids around the world, but there ain't no kids like Sulphur Springs kids. Amen. And we're going to take care of our babies at home, and we're going to take care of the kids abroad. Dub, tell us a little bit about what's going on at CPS. All right. Uh, first, I'd like to say I've always wondered what it's like to be Joel T. Meyer. We both have the same name, like he said. We both have exquisite physiques. And it's taken me a while to get here, but uh, let me thank you guys for being here. I'm going to carry around my phone. I'm not texting. I'm, uh, I'm actually looking at some notes here because I was tardy and didn't get them up on the... Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I am Joel Williams in my professional life. Some of you guys know me. Some of you know me as Dub. I work for the state of Texas. I've been there six years, minus the two years in between where I was in Oklahoma, the wasteland, Sodom and Gomorrah. Some of you may know it like that. Uh, <laughs> So, I want to start by saying, whatever you guys think you know about CPS, you don't know. You don't know that about the foster kids, you don't know that about the system. And the reason I can say that is because I've been there six years, and I still don't know. I learn every day, I learn something new, and sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's hard. And so, just imagine what the kids go through. Put yourself, close your eyes for me. Put yourself in these shoes. Somebody comes in your door, takes you from everything that you've ever known, whether good or bad, and now imagine being in a complete stranger's home and your siblings are somewhere else that you don't know. Your mom and dad are somewhere else and you don't know where they're at. Now imagine that it's you there. Or imagine that it's your kids that are in those situations. And that's so difficult. I try to understand. I try to imagine it myself. I've had family that's been involved in the system. I've tried to help. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can. You guys can open your eyes. I don't want anybody going to sleep. So I've only got five minutes, and I'm going to try to cram this all in for you, but I want you to know it's very difficult, it's very hard, and sometimes they leave their homes without the clothes on their back because of the situation that they're coming from. 
You know, if it's, if it's somewhere where a poisonous chemical was being made, we can't bring those clothes with us. The foster homes, we can't contaminate someone else's home with that kind of thing. So just imagine, you know, I'm trying to think of a way to put it. I mean, starting over again, but not being born. Starting over again from scratch, from zero, from nothing, and you know what's going on. There's no learning curve. There's no, uh, there's no growing up or growing into it or learning to talk or walk. You already know all these things, but now it's gone. So I'm going to jump into a few stats for you here. In Region 4, and let me try to paint a picture for you. Region 4 is uh, the Cumbie, Greenville area, that county line there, all the way to Louisiana. And then from the Red River down to Anderson County, Russ County, you know, Palestine, Henderson, Texas, things like that. That's the area that I cover. I am the community engagement specialist. And what that is is I just I make sure that there's a swinging door on both sides of the state. So I try to keep uh, like a publicist for the state or so. Um, these numbers are not accurate as far as private agencies go because we don't have access to their numbers. They don't report directly to us. They report to a different part of the state. Um, so this is just state licensed foster care numbers. Okay? In Region 4, we have uh, 168 foster homes. And I know that some people, even some people in this congregation, are working toward becoming one of those homes. Uh, in Hopkins County, we have one foster home. In, that's state licensed, not that's from a private company. Um, in foster care, just in Region 4, we have 2,153 kids. In the state, we have 31,000 kids in foster care. In Hopkins County, just right here inside this perimeter, we have 60 kids in foster care. Kinship placements, and this is something that we'll talk about here in just a second. Kinship placements are when the families um, take on the kids instead of going into foster care. So the state still says, hey, this is foster care because you're not with your mom and dad or your biological parents. Um, so let's see. Here we go. Make it a little bigger so I can read it. In Region 4, we have 958 kinship homes. In the state, we have 12,422. In Hopkins County, we have... 30 kinship homes. Now, 16 of those homes are grandparents raising their grandchildren. Nine are aunts and uncles raising their, their nieces and nephews. Three are fictive kin, which is like a friend of the family or somebody that the kid's grown up around and they know. And then two are just other relatives, just not, you know, listed. Let's see. Over 6,000 kids statewide are waiting to be adopted. And, and that's a, that's sounds, oh, you know, there's 30,000 in foster care, 6,000 waiting. Think if you're one of those 6,000 kids. In, 20, there's, in Hopkins County, we have 28. 28 kids. And so what I'm here to talk to you today about is if you can't, I'm not asking you to foster, I'm not asking you to give money, I'm not here to guilt trip you, but I want to tell you, if you can help, help. Some of the foster homes, they need to be propped up, and they need that backbone. And so, I want to tell you a little story, and you have to forgive me if I get emotional. Let's see. About, I'd say, two years into my, uh, let's see. About two years into my investigative career, I went to a home, and I was hard-hearted. I saw 
a nasty house. I saw a busted up shack. And I kick in the door, bam! Where's he at? He's come with me. Because I've worked with the family more times than I care to mention. It's a sad situation. And I knew it, but I was going to go in and bust him up. I got my tats out ready. I got my pecs on lock. I'm ready, right? <laughs> Mom's nowhere to be found. There's an 80-year-old man in there, oxygen tank walker. And he says, son, why are you busting my door like that? And I said, well, I'm, I'm here to see Mrs. So-and-so, and we got a situation to handle. And so he says, I know, and, you know, I've run her off. I'm doing what I can. The 80-year-old man is the great-great-grandfather of a three-year-old little boy. And so I begin to talk to him, and I figure out that he's got all these different medical issues. I mean, he's 80 years old. He's had a good run, but the Lord has taking care of him only so much, you know. He doesn't have money for, for medical care. And what he's getting is spent because he's having to live in a place that he can't afford just to do what he can. And so I tell him the bad news. I say, listen, he's got to go. I've talked with my supervisor. I've talked with my program director. You're not in any shape to take care of this kid. And delivering that was, it was tough. You know, the old man starts to cry. So does Dub. The toughest part was watching that old man get the walker and his oxygen tank and chase me down the road with that little boy in my car. Screaming, don't take my buddy. To this day, that was four years ago. To this day, I still can't talk about it. It's very difficult because what if he had that backbone? What if he had the walls of a church? What if he had family? What if he had a church family to take care of him and prop him up to take care of those kids or that kid? Just one kid. I know that we seem hard-hearted at CPS. I know that we are baby snatchers. I know people say that. I know that sometimes we intervene and sometimes we don't, and you can't make sense out of it. But what you've got to know is everybody's got a job to do and rules to follow. And even though you want to go against that, and sometimes you can't go against it because it means your livelihood. You have to do things you don't want to do. And so I'm not telling you this to get your emotions stirred up, to get you to ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I'm telling you this because you guys, this church right here, and I've got some stats for you on this church alone, has the ability to change this county, the surrounding counties, and as far as Smith County. And I told her I wouldn't do this, but since I got up here and tuned up on stage, I'm going to ask Alicia to stand up. And the big black guy beside her. Come on with it. Let me tell you guys a little bit about her. She volunteered with us. I'm also the supervisor of volunteers and interns. She volunteered with us. And when did you start? August, September, something like that. 
She's done so much, I can't keep track of it. She has single-handedly, and she doesn't know this yet, helped in, in let's just say numerically and monetarily, $10,000 single-handedly. She saved the state, and this church has donated toward those kids. And that includes state worker hours. That includes her volunteer hours. That includes the physical equipment, appliances, clothes, that she single-handedly secured for our resource room and for kids around the state. Um, we have a thing called the Care Portal, and sometimes request comes in, and it's supposed to go to churches, and we'll learn more about that as we get further into to this next year. Um, but someone was asking for a washer and a stove, and that was going to help keep those kids in the home. And that wasn't here in Hopkins County. It wasn't even here in, a, in an adjacent county. It's in Smith County, and she fulfilled it. I just asked her if she knew of somebody that might be able to help. And the problem was, we had to find a way to get all the stuff she's getting there. So what I say is this, and, and this is just me, I don't want to step on any toes because 300 pounds don't feel good. I personally, my mission field is right here because it's great that we go in other countries and we go in other states and we go in inner cities, but charity starts here, you know? We go here, we fix here, and then once we fix what's here, other people see that. Joel T. he just told me Friday, watch me. And so I've turned that into watch us. So I thank you for you guys' time. I'll be here after service if y'all want to talk, or if y'all have any questions, or if you want to volunteer, or anything things like that. Just ask, and uh, I appreciate you guys letting me be here. Thanks for listening to my spiel for a little bit. Thank you. Y'all give me a hand clap of praise this morning. And right after service, uh, Alicia and, and Joel will be out at the table, uh, the green table in the foyer to answer any questions that you have to see how you can be involved. Here's what TWBC is going to do this year for the resource room of Hopkins County. And I told Dub this, I said, if we supply too much for Hopkins County, let it overflow into the other counties, the other regions. Hey, bring it all across the state of Texas. We don't care. But what we're going to do as TWBC, we are going to completely fund their resource room with all the items that they need for over the next year of 2017. And, and if we got to a storage building for them to store the product so it can last through 2017 because he already said, Joel, y'all have done so much already and, and we, ha we haven't even begun to do what we're about to do to change the aspect and the climate uh, of this community. In your email, and we'll figure out a way to get it on the app as well, we're going to post a list of items that you can bring to bring and put under the Christmas tree anywhere from new clothing items and, and we do have to specify new because they don't have a sterilization machine that if you bring used clothing to sterilize it. So new clothing and, and, and listen, uh, new clothing may sound like, well, they should be grateful for what they get. I don't know about you wanting hand-me-down underwear. They don't deserve hand-me-down underwear. They don't deserve hand-me-down socks. They don't deserve hand-me-downs. If we want to pick them up, they deserve some of the very best to know that they're loved, appreciated, and going to be taken care of. So I'm asking TWBC this Christmas, maybe you pick up one name of a child of the 30 that he just mentioned, the 30 kinship kids that don't get help with state funding, and buy them a gift card. We've got 16 boys and 14 girls. We cannot give their ages, but hey, Bell's got clothes for all ages, amen. Walmart got games for all ages, amen. And so bring a gift card for those kinship kids, but also we're going to publish a list of stuff that they need for their resources 
resource room. When they pull kids out of dangerous situations and out of crazy situations, they need new clothes. They need new shoes. They need uh, uh, lice shampoo. They need some of these crazy things that you're going to see on the list. And guys, let's don't be generous. Let's explode on this community like never before and take care of our kids. And that's what our whole Christmas drive is going for this year is we're going to completely fund their resource room with all the items and materials that they need. I know we're going to need about five car seats that are brand new. And some of you guys are thinking, I've been looking for a family to buy Christmas for. I've been asked this every time. Well, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that you buy family items for the resource room that some people may not be able to afford. Buy a car seat, donate it. Buy something that they need that can supply their resource room. So when a child does get placed in their system, they don't get placed there. They get the very best of being there. And, and I was heartbroken when me and Sherry Chester went and sat down in their uh, conference room with some of their workers. And there are times that it's so bad that they have to pull kids out of a situation and they actually have to sleep on the, uh, at the offices here in Sulphur Springs because there's not a home that's available that, the, that, that can take in the child. So if you do want to become a foster parent, there is that need. Talk to them right after church this morning. But if they do have to stay in an office, we're going to make sure that office has got a great place for them to stay, feels like home, and make sure they understand that they're not a project that we're trying to fix. They are a person that we love here at TWBC, and we're bringing home outside of these four walls. We're bringing home to the city of Sulphur Springs, and we know this, home is where the presence of the Father is. And as we kick off this morning's message, ready, aim, and we're asking God to bring the fire, I want to read our opening verse of scripture, and it says this, fill in the blanks with me, Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Revelation 19.10 says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we know that Hebrews 13.8, the, the definition we've given to that verse, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, is immutable, which means unchanging over time or unable to be changed. And I've said this every week. I'm so glad that we serve a God who is unable to be changed by my circumstances, but we can serve a God that can come in on the scene and change circumstances circumstances all around us and worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy that means for the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy of what Jesus is about to do and we learned last week he's not about to do it by faith we step into it and say he's already doing it right here with us and we see a movement of God taking place going forward and we know this God wants to do more than answer prayers for us he wants to answer prayers through us amen this means we become co-equals co-equal partners partners, um, equal, equally responsible partners, co-laborers in the body of Christ. God doesn't just want to do something for you. He wants to do something through you. We figured this out with Be the Service when we fed 1,100 families Thanksgiving meals, and we realized that God didn't want to just do it for us. He wanted to do it through us. God wants to get you in on some of this action so you can have a memorable experience that you'll never, ever forget. And so as we jump into this, we are more than hot air. Everybody say ready. ready. Everybody say ready. Hey, we've been practicing on getting you ready for a couple weeks now because we've had this Sunday planned for about 10 weeks and we wanted to reveal all the stuff we revealed but also put in our Christmas giving thing of what we wanted to give to. And so on this, we needed to get you ready. And the Bible says this in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Everybody say, and does them. See, we got to be more of a church that hears God and hears good preaching. we got to be a church that hears God, hears good preaching, and then does what we've heard told us to do, do. amen, amen. Yeah. We got to be a church that hears the word of God. We got to be a church that hears God himself, but then just here we go out and do what we know we've heard. Yeah. It says, 
Whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man. Everybody say, I'm a wise man. I believe you're a wise man because you're putting into practice what you see and hear here right here at TWBC. And we know this, that it's not just what you do, but how you do what you do. It's not just what you do, but it's how you do what you do. And I want you to begin to focus on this Christmas as we've got our giving plan lined out for the next four weeks. I want you to focus on not just what you're about to do, but how you do what you're about to do. Remember, you're not just buying a car seat for a child in the foster care system. You are buying a car seat that you get to pray over and lay your hands on and watch the anointing of God come on it. So when a child gets sat in that seat, everything begins to change. Some of you who have never been here before, I'll prove this out through scripture. The Bible says this in Acts 19, verses 11 and 12. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of TWBC. Amen. It really says God was doing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. But since we're in an atmosphere of faith and we believe now faith is right now for us, God is doing extraordinary miracles through TWBC so that even handkerchiefs, or aprons that had touched the skin of Paul were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Come on now, thank you Jesus. How many of you know that if you have a car seat and you give it, you're doing a great deed and it's simply called humanitarian aid, but God doesn't need more humanitarian aid. It's not what you do, it's how you do what you do and we do it not just in the ability but with the anointing and the breath of God the Father that's in us. We do stuff and when we do it as the church, it becomes anointed with the power of God and you see a lasting impact, not a momentary need being met. Come on now. See, our job as the church is not to meet momentary needs, but make lasting impacts. Sometimes that happens by meeting a momentary need, but if it just stays in the moment, it never becomes a movement, and then we never see the fullness of what God is able to do. And so we must now begin to change not just what we do, but how we do what we do. And why is doing an action so important? An action is so important because if you take an event and connect it to an emotion, it'll be remembered forever. If you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it will be remembered forever. And we as the church, we must put things into action. And when we put things into action and God begins to anoint it, we will have such an experience, it will be remembered forever. You just heard the testimony when Joel was up here and he said this one phrase. He said, I remember it forever. And I get emotional about it. When an 80-year-old man was chasing me down the street with a walker and with an oxygen tank saying, don't take my little buddy. That is not a memorable experience he wants to remember forever. And as the church, what if we change not what we did, but how we did what we did. And he had the backbone that Dub, Dub was talking about. And we, he could have called us at that night and said, I don't want to take this child out of this custody of this man. Can TWBC come in as the backbone and uplift this man, uplift this family, and not just do something, but watch how we do what we do in the anointing and in the breath and in the power of God. So not only a kid gets changed, but an adult gets changed, and we have a memorable experience for the rest of our life. Come on now. I'm talking get ready because this Christmas you're fixing to have some memorable experiences. When you buy that bottle of Lice shampoo and lay your hands on it and pray over it, and y'all may think that's crazy, but on our Christmas Eve service, we're going to have a time during worship where we gather around the Christmas tree and begin to lay our hands on everything that's under that tree, the blankets that are under that tree, the jackets that are under that tree, the soap that's under that tree, the, the bags that are under that tree, and we're going to pray over them, and we're going to watch the miracle-working power of God not just be on that, but leave this building 
And I pray that we flood overflow and it doesn't just stay in Hopkins County. I pray it goes all through the state of Texas and the surrounding area with the items we get to bring in and transform people's lives with. See, action creates an event, but anointed action creates kingdom. Action creates an event, but anointed action creates kingdom. At TWBC, we are about creating kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus said this when he was walking the earth, the kingdom of God is at hand. What do you mean by that? It didn't mean it was close. It means whatever he touched, kingdom of God happened. When he said the kingdom of God is at hand and he laid his hand on a sick person, kingdom of God happened. The sick person got well and rose up. TWBC, the kingdom of God is at our hands. And ooh, I got a whole other message on this. When he died on the cross and those nails pierced his hands, it gave us the ability to bless. Come on, I preached that at Easter. And we as a church, we got to start using these hands for godly purposes because anointed action creates the kingdom of God. Everybody say ready. ready. Everybody say aim. aim. We're about to take aim on what God's called us to do. Jesus and other writers of the Bible never denied the existence of a problem. Jesus and the other writers of the Bible never denied the existence of the problem. In fact, all the great heroes of faith recognized the enormity of the problem and that there was no natural solution for it. Amen. We as a church, we must recognize the enormity of the problem that we're fixing to handle right here in Hopkins County and all over the state of Texas when we take care of the resource room right here for all the kids that are being taken into the CPS custody. We must recognize that there's a problem. And the problem must be fixed by incorporating the anointing of God into families. But until we begin to do that, we're going to take care of the need in the moment, but also take care of the need for the long haul as well. And so we're not just being ready. We're taking aim. We're taking focus on what we're about to do through this Christmas season. And when we take focus, we take aim, get ready. Because when we line up and we get ready to shoot this thing, God's fixing to go off like never before. It says one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. Come on now. Where two or more agree upon it is touching anything. They come into aim together. They come into focus together. See, the writers of the Bible never denied the existence of the problem. In fact, they recognized the enormity of a problem. And when there's an enormous problem that humanity can't touch, that means there's only one natural solution, and it's the supernatural solution that God can come in and begin to take care of a natural problem with his supernatural abilities. So we must not deny that a problem exists, but here's what we must do. We don't deny the problem exists We deny the problem a place of influence in our life, though. Now, now, now let me tell you this. You don't deny that a problem exists, but you do deny it a place of influence. See, if we let a problem exist and let it have a place of influence, it is influencing our faith. And when you say, Joel, the problem is too big, good, that only means God can fix it. That's when we ought to get excited as a church. Only God can fix it. Good. He's our God. He shows up on time, every time, and he'll do it for you, and he did it for me. So when it's too big for you and it's too big for me, it's only a God-sized problem that can be fixed, and God will show up, and he's going to show up through you. See, we're excited till that. He's not just going to show up. He's going to show up through you. He's going to show up through you, and he's going to do the supernatural through you, and he's going to do the power of God thing through you. See, some of y'all are just waiting for him to drop lightning from heaven on something. You are his lightning from heaven. You are the anointing wrapped up in this bottle that he wants to unleash and unlid and let it go forth and transform the area like we've never seen it before. Faith is not ignoring or being in denial that a problem exists. It is denying the problem or the issue of place of influence on your faith. 
When I make a faith statement, I'm not putting a demand on God. I'm putting a demand on my faith that I say this. My faith is greater than this problem, and I will not let this problem influence my faith. I'm going to let my faith influence this problem. And I don't know how it's going to influence this problem, but bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. I'm going to bless his holy name, and I'm going to let my faith come upon an issue rather than the issue come upon my faith. And when I let my faith come upon an issue, come on now. God says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. But with faith, all things are possible to those who believe. So I don't look at my problems the same anymore. Joel, I pray you go back to work on Monday not looking at the problem the same anymore. I pray God ignites a spirit of faith across that office that says, my faith will overpower and influence the problems in this system, and we will see kids' lives transformed, kids' lives changed, and God does an amazing and miraculous work moving forward. In this morning, in this time, God says, I've got you ready. I've set you up. He who hears these words of mine and does them. We're fixing to go do them. And then he goes on. We talked about this. He, uh, we're taking aim. We got our focus. We know what we're looking at. We know where we're headed. We know we're fixing to transform this region and this state with an amazing amount of resources that are anointed. So it's not humanitarian aid. Come on. It's anointed action that creates kingdom. So we got ready, we got aim, what's the last one? Fire. Wait, what, what is it? Fire. One more time? Fire. We got fire. Now we love to talk about fire, amen. Any dudes in here like fire? Come on. I had a fire last night outside my house. Come on, thank you, Jesus. We love fire. And here's the thing, we ought to love the fire in the house of God just as much as we like a bonfire. We ought to love the fire in the house of God just as much as we like any other fire we've ever been a part of. We ought to love the house of, the, the house of God being on fire more than anything else. And so with the word fire, here, here's what we got to realize. We do not live in reaction to the problem or darkness. We live in response to God. Here's a big difference. All the stories he just said. You guys were amped up. You're ready. You're like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to say, put the brakes on just a second. Because my question for you is, are you living in reaction to the darkness that he just talked about? Or are we going to stop for a minute and say, I'm going to live in response to what God is about to tell me so fire can fall and we make a difference? See, there's a big difference. So many believers miss it right here. We got ready. We're ready. We're pumped. We're taking aim. We know what the focus is. And we fire before God said, bring the fire. Because we're living in reaction to a problem rather than in response to what God said about the problem. Many of us live in reaction to problems rather than stopping for a moment and say, God, what would you have me do about the problem so my faith can influence the problem, not the problem influence my faith? See, if we don't stop for just a second, if we don't hold off for just a second, we're going to live in reaction to the emotion of the problem and the darkness that we just saw instead of living in response to the voice of God. And if we don't live in response to the voice of God, the fire of God can never fall. I'm going to close with this point right here. You have two instances in the Bible with fire that I'm going to talk to you about in the New Testament. One is a reaction. One is a response. At the end of them, tell me which one you want to see happen. Now I'm going to preface this. If you're in the flesh, you've done the first one, okay? It's Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. And it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up to heaven, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went out and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. 
But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Come on now. Y'all know you've been there. You know you've been there as a believer. You know you've been driving down the road on a school morning and everybody's driving slow for some reason. Okay, maybe this is just me. And you're like, Lord Jesus, can you just let fire come and just, just get, right? Y'all don't, don't act like you ain't done this before. Some of y'all have done it to your in-laws. They're coming over for Christmas. Lord, just let the fire fall. Come on, just, just, just do it. You did it at Thanksgiving. Oh, the, the family's coming in. Let the fire fall. God, just fire, Right? Let the fire happen. You know, and the disciples, man, these are James and John. This is John, the one he loved, right? This is the beloved, the gospel, the one who wrote the gospel of John. First, second, third John wrote the book of Revelation. He said, God, can we just call down the fire because they don't like you, right? Don't lie, y'all been there. It's the same thing. God, can you just take them home early? Can you just take them, right? You've been there. That fire is in reaction to the problem, not in response to what God said, because Jesus rebuked that fire. If you read the rest of that story in the next verse, it says, and Jesus, and it says, but he turned and rebuked them for making that statement. Now, that is when you see the darkness and you have a reaction to the darkness which could be very well intended, but reaction to darkness is different than a response to God. It's so different. Because reaction to a darkness, Peter saw Jesus getting arrested. He had a reaction to the darkness, pulled out a sword, and cut a dude's ear off. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter! Picked up an ear and said, here you go, baby, let me put that back on your head. Right? Peter had a reaction to the darkness. And the church of America, the church of Solar Springs, TWBC, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've done it before. I too many times have a reaction to darkness. And it's well intended. It's an amazing and it's, a, and it's great heart motive moving forward. But if it's not in response to God and it's just a reaction to the darkness, many times Jesus is rebuking our action, not empowering it. We must, after we've heard all the scenarios of what's happening in our city, our city, begin to say, God, what is our response? Not react to it. What is our response to it? Because, listen, the church that shines the brightest at home shines the broad. Shine brighter, shine farther. The church that shines the brightest at home when we build the foundation here at home, when we build the lighthouse here at home, when we build the structure here at home, when we start taking care of the home, that's why our whole year this year is called home. When we start doing things at the home, it builds up what we can do abroad. Now we have the other option. We can live in reaction to the darkness or we can live in response to God. And listen to this. It's Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and then Acts chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now listen, we all know the Great Commission. The end of Matthew says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Jesus gave a Great Commission. But those weren't his last words. 
He gave the Great Commission. But then in the book of Acts, he said, don't do it in reaction to the darkness. Do it in response to God so the fire can come. Now listen to this. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it's in red letters, okay, so it's Jesus. And while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. What, Jesus? You just said go into all the world. Now you're telling me to stay here? Right? He said, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. (laughs) See, some of y'all want to run off without God, but he says, wait for the promise of me. Not of the thing of me, of me. See, when God gives you a directive, it doesn't necessarily mean run off crazy in the moment in response to the darkness. It means wait for the promise that empowers you to act in response to him that will then change the darkness. It says, and wait for the promise of which the Father has said, you heard it from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And 2 verses 1 through 3, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it was filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared on them, and they rested on each one of them. You had one fire from the apostles that said, can we call down fire? And it got rebuked. Great motive, great heart. They were standing up for their Savior. They were standing up for the Lord. They were upset with the Samaritan people that they did not receive Jesus Christ in their community when he needed them. They were upset and they wanted to call down fire and it got rebuked because it was in response or reaction to the darkness. But then after a little bit of maturation process happened, He said, go into all the world, every part of the world, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But wait till I come with my promise for you, so when you go, it's in response to me, not reaction to the darkness. And I started out this whole thing this morning in worship. What is your response to God? What is your response? I want you to begin to say, God... I want one word from you of what you want my response to be to this scenario that we just heard about. How do we change and affect the lives of kids in our city? For some of you that run a business, he's going to say, give a give back day. So you, you, don't just, you don't just give money. The whole community can get in on this project. Come on now. See, it's not about what he can do with you. It's what he can do through you. And your business is not just the ending of something. It's just the beginning. It's your platform for the gospel. So don't limit it to just you. Some of you this morning, the minute you heard this, you heard the word car seat pop in your head. And you've been wondering what car seat meant all morning. And when I told you about the need for car seats, some of you are like, oh, I can get a car seat. What is your response? Because with the response to God comes the fire of God. With the reaction comes the rebuke. Faith is never a reactive thing. It is always a response thing. Faith has always been a response thing. When you got born again, you heard God calling you into your life and you responded to him by faith. Or some of you heard a message that guilted you into coming to the front and you reacted because you didn't want to go to hell one day. Come on now. And I would ask you, If you reacted for salvation rather than responded to God in faith to go back and reevaluate your born-again experience and do it out of a response so the fire can come.
in your life this morning, I want you to begin to say, God, what is my response? What do you want me to do? More than just this physical situation that we're dealing with here in our city. More, more than that. What, what do you want me to do long term? What do you want me to begin to start now in the moment that turns into a movement? What do you have for me?